2: Fiction. Science Fiction, Horror, Fantasy, Crime, LGBT, Thriller, you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? Now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts Eric Shapiro David North Martino John Copenhagen and Al Warren. This FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside,
0: and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Joe Goldberg is back in the house. I'm here, Al. We're spending a lot of time together. I know. I People are going to talk. Yeah, yeah. I know. My wife's going, who are you talking to? Uh, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Not far off there. Um, well, I'm talking to somebody today. I was going to say, speaking of nobody. No, no
2: I went the other way. See,
0: <laughs> see, you're a good, you're a good guy. You're the I'm good, a good guy. guy. I'm the bad guy today. I'm the bad cop. You're the good cop. How's that? I can do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't write cop stuff. He writes cop stuff. This time we've got Mr. David Darling, eh? and he's uh, bringing his new book in, in, into the world. It's called Edge of Time. It's a time travel adventure novel. So, David, okay, how are you doing? Hi, Al. I'm, I'm doing
1: great, Joe. Nice to talk to you both again. And uh, things are doing pretty good up here.
0: What is going on? Okay. Um, how did you get into this sci-fi sort of theme from what you were doing? like What, what, what was the change for you?
1: Well, for those of you that don't know, my main uh, my bread and butter, so to speak, is the, the Noah Hunter series. It's a, a police uh, thriller series. And during breaks or sometimes you just need a break and i like to uh read science fiction fantasy and as one of my breaks i I plugged away at a a science fiction time travel novel lo and behold after many sessions uh going back over the years uh it finally got done so a, a little side project that never
0: intended to turn into a book uh Turn into a book. There's a lot of things that I, but I wouldn't have the confidence to do it. Like, it's tough to step out of what you do. And I know there's still things involved in this, With you know, FBI special agent. you still got stuff going on. I don't know if I would I step out of my comfort zone. Was there a particular reason? Do you have, like, a real thing for, for sci-fi?
1: That was, uh, science fiction fantasy was the genre that, uh, I grew up with. Since I turned fourteen, uh, many many years ago, uh, I had never gotten gotten rid of any of my novels. I still have I have thousands of books on the shelves, and they're a real pain when you're moving. Uh, there's quite a few of them, but uh, so I always that's where my heart is, and that's where I turned around. And uh, just as an escape from my police uh, genre thriller series, that's where that's where I escaped to. As a writer, it was more of a challenge for the simple fact that uh, uh, a science fiction novel it doesn't translate the same as a police novel. So the pacing is different, the, the, the length, the everything's different. <laughs> in, in that part, I, I really enjoyed it uh, as a challenge. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I pulled it off, but uh, time will tell, along with the critics.
2: So besides your uh, history and love of reading and your thousand books, I've seen pictures of you've posted. It's a lot of books. Um, who were your influences in the science fiction fantasy realm, which is an interesting genre. Oh, for sure.
1: I, I would say my, uh, Robert A. H- Heinlein, uh, was my, uh, one of my first influences. He, yes, I, I started off with some of his, uh, uh space space adventures and, uh, some of his novels and for, for everything from Friday to number of the beast um and there's there's just so many in between i grok that oh it's oh man that's is that ever a good stranger one? To strange,
2: stranger in a stranger in a strange land
1: stranger in a strange land for sure that's all, one of my favorites although i did try reading it again a few years ago and i found it didn't quite hold up to the test of time they exactly uh, it was it was fairly uh dated I'll, I'll leave it at that along with yes well he's at the time, it was uh, cutting edge. So, right. uh, even from Piers Anthony to uh, oh, I'm trying to look around here real quick to get some more examples.
2: <laughs> and uh, I was an Asimov guy. How about Isaac Asimov or uh, you know, I never Arthur C. Clarke or that gang.
1: Uh, Clarke, I've got quite a few of his uh, Asimov. Touch and go. It just wasn't really holding my interest. However, really? um, the love of the genre was was still there, and that uh, stayed with me even until where i'm now like i've i've also in the back pocket there i got a couple other fantasy novels not published or i'm quite doing anything with at this moment but uh it's just these little side projects over time they just keep uh accumulating and next thing you know they're done so you got to do something with them
2: well what elements am i gonna find in edge of time that i don't see in tipping point and grave choices and and yet the rest of them
1: boy did the research have to hang on for this one so when i'm talking about a farmer from the 1700s man do i gotta know about farming in the 1700s uh you know one of the big decisions in the later 1700s was uh do they grow corn tobacco or this new plant that's becoming popular indigo because uh, the, the dye was being used for denim jeans and that was all Starting to become, pop- they were expensive, but they were becoming popular. So that's you had to look these things up. I had to look up some of the. Well, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here. When I haven't
2: quite described yeah, the story,
1: but uh,
2: I was about to say, maybe you should summarize the, yeah, the book or the plot well, behind it. it, and then <laughs> it'll make more sense.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, the the whole su- plot is about uh, a meteor that falls on a farmer's field, and he's south of rural Boston which is from the heart of Boston right now. It's about uh, uh, 13 miles south. And that was that was the fall farmland back then. So this meteor falls on this farmer's property. His name is Clement Wallace. Uh, meteor has strange properties, and he ends up being able to travel through time. Cut scene to modern day. And there was a break-in at Fort Knox, and an artifact was stolen that... Uh, uh, Roosevelt had placed in Fort Knox upon its opening. So um, they call in the top FBI uh, investigator at the time. His name is uh, uh, Brad Holman. And he starts this whole thing off by investigating the Fort Knox uh, burglary. And from there, uh, you'll find out that uh, time travel is possible. And he ends up working with the farmer from the 1700s. And in order to stop a black hole from destroying the planet, it's slightly different than a police thriller novel.
2: Yeah, you got black holes, you got time travel, you got seventeen hundred. I mean, what what don't you have in there? Yeah, you know, talking nah. monkeys, or do you have maybe you have the? A...
1: Yeah, I tried to avoid the the world plagues on this one. Uh, nobody wants to read about that anymore. However, uh, yeah, so now I can officially say yes. The research for this was uh, quite elaborate. Uh, you can find plans of fork Knox. You, you can find out what it was like uh, in 1926 when Roosevelt was there, and he was the first and only president to visit Fort Knox, and the rest have declined. Uh up to present day. When I'm talking about time travel, uh, relativity, and cre- creating a black hole using a particle accelerator, well, there's a lot of research going into this. So I spent weeks, weeks, and weeks just researching this. Uh, it's called the Triumph building that's based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, and they have a particle accelerator there. Can you create a black hole in a particle accelerator? <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, however, they're, they're they're basically the size of a millimeter uh, and uh, they, they evaporate, they disappear within, you know, like a 0.2 of a second or something like that. But because now we're dealing with time travel and some uh, uh, mystical force that's uh, not bound to the laws of the universe uh things get out of hand get out of hand quickly and badly. and that's where and that's the summation in a nutshell
2: were you trying to in this book do more than entertain are there themes in this thing that uh, people say ah i see whatever themes you may have had
1: not as much you know, or was it just pure no, entertainment it's just pure entertainment Now you have your most of your stories um as you know joe from uh the spy trade is uh, like man versus man, or van, man versus machine, and you, or man versus a biological weapon or a virus. You know, you have all these different things. So, uh, I, I, believe I've turned this into uh, man, man versus uh, time, uh, because time itself does not want to be changed. So, and this is some of the struggles that these two characters go through as they're uh, trying to uh, stop this. Black hole from uh, destroying the planet.
2: So it's kind of a quest,
1: you know, in a way, yeah. So they, you know, they there's no it's like greatest American hero. There's no su- there's no superhero manual. There's no reason to they could travel through time, but that doesn't mean they know it.
2: There's no manual. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where's that manual for time travel?
1: Yeah, there's yeah, there's no manual for time travel. So these guys are they, they mess up, uh, they make mistakes, and uh, some of those mis- mistakes are dire, and uh, they they try again that's part of the thing i really i I enjoy a nice time travel story um i I think uh i've pretty much succeeded in doing something that's rather unique i haven't read that obviously i haven't read anything about uh this type of uh scenario or plot line yet or else i wouldn't have wrote it so i I really hope everybody enjoys it in that regard
0: so so your dialogue how's the dialogue with Especially when you have someone from the 1917s and stuff like that. I guess that would have been a lot of your research too, right?
1: Yes. The, the, the archaic references are, are there. However, uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but I, I'll, go, I'll go ahead and uh, put this forth, that uh, the farmer from the 1700s, a couple centuries, he decides to not do anything and wallow in his misery and... Uh, mourned his missing wife which he probably uh, repeatedly tried to bring back to life and uh, nothing worked however um, so he's been around he knows how to use the internet and computers and stuff like that because he's he's lived through that those times so this is him in the future working with our present day um, an fbi agent from our present day so that's that's sort of my work around on that
2: how many different time periods did you have to study research simon so Reddit?
1: Uh, I w- I went through yet. I w- yeah, I went through mainly the the late 1700s. From there, um,
0: you were just a kid then,
1: right? <laughs> yes, yeah.
2: <laughs> Easy fox
1: Yeah. Uh...
2: Yeah. Who's the oldest one on the call? Maybe it's me. It's me. <laughs> oh sure. sure. uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No oh, one's older than you. Yes.
0: It's
2: me and Moses. Oh, <laughs> high God. school together.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: carrying those stone tablets around must have been hard on your back. But uh, yeah, so I I studied mainly the late 1700s and I worked my way through uh, because the various presidents of the United States were involved. This is before the first president of the United States and uh, when he's involved as well to a certain extent because he was a leader of the commanding army at the time before he accepted the presidency. So uh, I worked my way through several different pres- presidents, uh, Hoover, Ford, and up to, uh, today. Although I, there's, there's some legal implications about using today's president, uh, like Joe Biden in a book. You can be sued. <laughs> so yeah, if he doesn't, if he doesn't find it favorable. So, you know, I came up with, uh, uh, Bauer. I came up with uh, a nice hockey name there and, uh, president. the the current president is president bauer so and uh along with the director of the current fbi so we're the good guys and then near the end maybe they're not so i'll stick with my choices
2: so well i asked you sort of what the difference was between the new book and the police procedures what when if you're someone's at the at the bookstore of course your books from the bookstore and they're reaching for nelson DeMille, and right next to it is a dave darling what what does the reader find what do they see what is a dave darling book
1: well regardless of the genre. I like to keep the, the pace moving. So a lot of science fiction fantasy novels will literally spend pages and pages describing the in, the meals, the food, travel. I can't do that. It just blows my mind. So um, all the things that, as a reader, I, I skip on. I just, yeah, they're describing uh, an, another tavern. Great. I just go right to the next dialogue. So I get, I get the idea what they're doing, but I don't uh, follow through with it. I don't, I don't write that stuff into my books. I I call that stuff fluff and uh, I try and uh, avoid it. So while this is a science fiction novel, uh, it leans more towards uh, thriller or action adventure. So the pace, the pacing is there. It's from, from the first uh, three or four pages. uh, I like to sink that hook in uh, just like a good fisherman and reel in the reader. And I don't quite have the cliffhangers on each chapter, and like a like a thriller book would, because they they want you to turn pages. Uh, But there's enough there to keep the reader engaged and wanting to know more. So, uh, as a science fiction book from 30 years ago, you just wouldn't see most of this stuff. It just it wasn't. It's sort of like a a modern take on writing, you know, like Brandon Sanderson for fantasy. he will go on for a whole entire chapter like 2,000 words describing a setting. He's he's all world building. I'm more about the plot, the action to keep the reader engaged.
2: Well, you've mentioned readers several times. How much do you think about your reader as you're writing? Are they standing over your shoulder or are they kind of, oh, oh, let me get this draft done and I'll, and I'll see you later, reader. Then I'll think about you. I,
1: I don't, I, I like to assume a certain level of education for my readers. So like, If you're a 12-year-old and you're reading this novel, well, first, good for you. There's a couple F-bombs in there, so beware. But uh, I'm going on the – an average adult knows this material. So when I'm studying particle accelerators and quantum mechanics and quantum physics, I'm not relating it. Like, I'm reading – like, Stephen Hawking's going to be reading this. So uh, Neil deGrasse, like, like these guys aren't going to be reading this novel, so – when I'm talking about a, uh, a quantum bounce, it's a, it's a theory of time um, about a, a black hole. So when, you know, I'm not talking it on a university level, I, I'm talking it to the average person. And so that, in that way, I believe everybody, no matter your education level, can relate
0: to it. Do, do you find that um, in this book, do you write your the violence in the book or the sex in the book? differently than you would on your normal thriller or do you stay away from that are you conscious of how you write those
1: i try and keep it well as anything in any any book i'm, I'm writing whether it's uh, a police uh, thriller novel a science fiction or a fantasy novel i'm trying to keep it relevant for the reader so if it's not relevant it doesn't it's not relevant for the book then I, I won't have it in there now most science fiction You know, War of the Worlds. Yeah, (laughs) millions of people are dying. So you know, there's there's violence in these in these books. Is it the same as a thriller novel? Well, there I I do have a couple scenes in there because he is an FBI agent, and you know he's getting a little ticked off, and he can do things that we can't now because of the time travel aspect. So uh, I wondered. I even I wrote this really great scene near the end, and uh, I questioned to my editor and agent well is this do you do you think this this scene should be there because this is clearly from, from uh, more of a, a police thriller aspect or uh, or a thriller novel a shoot out scene and uh he's like no no no, you gotta leave that in oh, i'm not exactly sure he goes no no leave it in so uh that's one of the rare times my editor wanted me to leave things in uh as opposed to Using the red pen to take things
0: out. So, uh, on completion of this book, and and finishing uh, the sci-fi time travel sort of thing, um, how do you think it's changed you, and how will you, you know, for your next book? It's like, so when you go back to the thriller, uh, if you're going back to that, how do you think it's going to be different?
1: Well, um, well, this book has seen many eyes over the years, and at one point, I wasn't even sure. If it was viable or not, I ended up working with a name, a guy you might know, uh, Ryan Stack. I worked with him with this on for months. Ryan re- has read it through many times and uh, offered his corrections, ideas, concepts, uh, steered me on the path. And then, doesn't he work at Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts spies, real spies. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so we worked on it for a long time, and then uh, I was pitching it to agents all over the place uh, and then after about 150 rejection letters saying great story great writing uh, it's just not for me i, I decided to, to shelf it for a while because man you get a little tick so uh and then you know i focus i this is all during all this time i'm still focusing on my police series and uh, i i dusted it off again last fall there's a problem with writing uh, authors may find uh, when i first wrote this book i would have said i was about a level two or a level three there's no real grading mark here but and because you know I, i while i had some experience writing books i didn't have a lot so i wrote four i wrote six books after i shelved that and my knowledge and ideas had changed so then i took edge of time and opened it up again and i read it and i went well no there's no wonder agents didn't want it even the first line was horrible so i rewrote the novel and then i shelved it again and i wrote a couple more books and then i opened it again and i still didn't like it so i rewrote edge of time 3 times i didn't even bother uh trying for another agent i already have an agent but we i didn't try for another publisher and uh, i'm just releasing it now so it's been thoroughly vetted uh, and uh changed
0: you're on a quest you yeah the book out just like your for characters sure. what what gave you such drive to keep coming back to it, what was it about this story that you wanted to make sure it got out there? Well, first, I, I consider
1: myself a storyteller. You, you kind of got it after you know book six. You, you got to realize that you're telling stories, and uh, I enjoy it. So I'm telling the story that I wanna, I wanna hear, and that's all I can do. And if other people enjoy that kind of thing, and great, good for you. But when I when I open it up again, and there's glaring mistakes that I can now see. I go, well, let's let's just fix that. And Next thing you know, the book that I've been working on for months is on hold and then I'm opening this novel that's three years old by now. I reworked it again and again. And, and it sort of paid off because I still don't know who did it, but somebody gave Tom Colgan at Berkeley Penguin Random House, gave him the first four chapters. So four weeks ago, Tom emailed me and he says, I like it. Can you send me the whole entire manuscript? And I'm like, Wow, this is right after I had decided to self-publish and it was already coming out. I already had the cover work done and everything. And, uh, Tom, uh, and, and his team loved the book, liked the story, liked the writing, but they, it just wasn't going to be for them. I know but that's, that's, that's good news that for me, that just kind of validates my writing in a, in a way that, uh, cause Tom's impartial. He, he's, he's doing things for business. He's a great guy, too. In fact, we've talked a few times. So, uh, but it, it kind of makes a feel good moment where you're like, yeah, well, this this book is good and it's good enough to really hold his attention. Might not be the one for the best for his company that he's talking about. So I will uh, take that as a win. And uh, I told him I'm going to go ahead and self publish this. And I go, thank you very much. And then I calmly slipped him a new story in, in my email there and, uh, that I just finished and got back from the editor. So we'll see how that goes. I heard he drove
2: off the bridge yesterday. (laughs) Too busy with Bentley and
0: everybody else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that would, that would be the dream publisher for me. Uh, Why not? Have, have, have big goals and we'll see where they go.
0: Driving off the bridge.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what are your goals? Where are you going to be in five years? What's the future in your, in your future book?
1: Uh, Well, in five years, I really, uh, I'm retiring in about two and a half, and I, I'm looking forward to uh, putting more time into, into writing, um, hopefully some horrible rounds of golf, some fishing. <laughs> but um, in, in five years, my daughter will be uh, fifteen, so uh, I don't know if I'm going to be uh, happy enough uh, with my income. So I'm, I'm hopefully making a couple bucks, making, getting some books out there, and uh, we'll see where that goes.
0: Well, I'm sure it's better than Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> you
2: and Dunkin' oh, Donuts. Well, where is you as a writer in five years? Are you be doing? What, what would you imagine in your future travel What you'll be as a writer in five or ten years or in the future?
1: I, I hope I'm going to keep writing books that are, are the stories that I want to hear. And I enjoy doing it. I, I'm, I'm finding if I, if I have a crunch time and I have to get this book out or I'm all frustrated with it, I'm not enjoying it. And, and it, you can clearly see that by the, the, di- the dialogue, the, the choppy sentence. It's like the, the product itself. And I, I want to be able to do it. If I want to write a fantasy novel, uh, boy, do I, I'd love to get into that. I, I got a fantasy series on the go. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, I got a, well, I didn't, Edge of Time was supposed to be a single book, a standalone novel. However, it, it took me about two years before I could come up with a viable story that would enable it to turn into at least a, a two book series there. I sat down and uh, for about three, four weeks on more research more research and uh this time it's all on you know the irish history and stuff but i started the sequel so i'm a third done uh, the sequel to edge of time in 5 10 years i'd love to be able to uh have a solid relationship with a publisher that would uh, not only allow me to write uh action thriller novels but uh you know if there's a, a way to sneak in some fantasy and science fiction sign me up so i i like jumping around between those two genres and uh i find it really benefits the other because I can, while I'm still writing, I'm, I'm having a break. I'm having a break from thrillers writing about a, a magic system. Yeah. Or, you know, if I'm tired of swords and sorcery, I can switch back to, uh, you know, a, an FBI agent or something, wh- whatever is holding my attention.
0: Do, do you find yourself coming up with the story first, then the characters or the setting? Like how, how does it um, develop for you? And I guess obviously now in, in the series that you have, like Noah Hunter series, you, you you've already set your character, so they're first in a way. But typically, how do you do it?
1: Basically, it's a one or two paragraph idea uh, synopsis, like you would read on the back of a book. So I had uh, I was literally going through my uh, new ideas folder. I have a whole folder, and inside there are Word documents, and that, there's got to be thirty or forty different ideas in there for novels. And uh, this one kept coming back to me all the time about uh well you do you know the, the TV show uh, Alone by the on the History Channel I think it is where the contestants go off to a remote area they can bring ten items and the longest one out survives and wins
0: Alone naked it's,
1: well they're not quite naked they're, they're <laughs>
0: well they I'm might afraid. be afraid <laughs>
1: so it's something uh, it's like uh, it's like Survivor but they go to like remote places and I mean there's absolutely nobody around. Uh, except another contestant and they're so many so far apart that they can't help each other so and they film their whole experience so it's a it's a sur- survival type type tv show well i had an idea but what if one of these contestants on the show turned around and uh, as he's filming his own adventures and he's surviving hunting fishing etc in the rugged uh, uh up northern northern ontario uh, he comes across a uh, you know, some foreign uh, soldiers training, getting ready for an operation. And then uh, Tim Hendricks came out with his really brilliant novel called The Instructor, Whereas as a, a search evasion rescue uh, trainer uh, comes across some, some bad guys while he's uh, teaching them how to train. So I, I don't know the full synopsis of his, but it, it's close, it was close enough to his uh, – Idea that I, when I was talking to Tim, I, uh, I, I bounced that idea off and I said, Oh man, i just, it's so close to your idea that I don't even know if I want to touch that now. He used laughing. He goes, Nah, don't. the first few pages will be the same after that because you're on your own. So I'm like, All right. So off I go. So I just started another novel with that in mind. So the ideas are there. They just, I just, I work from a little paragraph, maybe two paragraphs, and I have to envision the, the whole story in my head, and then off I go.
2: Are you one? Of, are you a one at a time writer, or do you, can you do juggle multiple things at the same time?
1: I thought I could mo- do multiple things at the same time. So at one point, I had a uh, course of action, the, the the police thriller novel I was working on, and a fantasy novel at the time, and I and then I was working on another project, and then I realized like uh, I'm I'm getting main character, I'm getting characters' names messed up. I'm getting like it was just, it was horrible. So all in all, uh, I, I think I like to work on one at a time just to keep things straight in my head.
0: Yeah, it's tough walking and chewing gum for me, so
1: I know. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's for you.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, plus, I, I think, um, while it can be done. Don't get me wrong. Uh, however, I believe the story that you're working on solely uh, without other distractions will be better for it.
0: How important is the setting to you, the location? Is it is it um, key, and do you make it into a character, or is it just kind of kind of a accessory?
1: Well, the everything everything all is also at the whim of the publisher. So, uh, a friend, uh, Steve Ursani, he uh, just finished. A, he wrote his novel called "The Perfect Shot." The publisher loved it. However, it was about a Canadian sniper, and in Canada, and the publisher.
0: Oh, that's a fantasy.
1: Yeah, well, hey, we. we <laughs> Canadian snipers still have the longest just uh, shot. My buddy was standing right beside the guy who did it in, the, in Afghanistan, so I still have, I've seen the video on his phone. <laughs> any, anyway, I don't, I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about that. The publisher will turn around and say, "Yep, love the story. Uh, let's change that character's name to uh, whatever." And uh, okay, uh, based in Canada. No, that's not going to work for me. I want this based out of you know Los Angeles. Okay. And he's a U.S. sniper. He's not a Canadian sniper. Go. Well, hey, you want the, you want the job? You want the, you want your novel out? Yeah, sure. Okay. Whatever. I'll, I'll do that. And that's, and that's the way it is. So I, I don't mind that. Uh, I'm not attached to the, the setting or, or the place as much as I, I am. Uh, you know the characters and whatnot, but if the, if the publisher wants me to change it, then I will.
0: What kind of relationship do you have with your characters? That's actually a good question. I like that.
1: Um, <laughs> bugger. Okay, I had been talking to uh, Kyle Mills for a bit, and he was describing how he did some of his setup for his novels. He, so he'll he'll write out twenty six thousand word guideline for his his novels. So, And he'll have it per chapter, this is what's going to happen here, this next chapter, this is what's going to happen here, these are the characters, and he'll go on and on. So he, he'll he write half a novel, or third of a novel, just to outline a novel. So I tried that. So with my second novel, my Brave Choices, I did that. So I, I wrote 20,000 words out, and I had it all laid out. I had plot, I had chapter by chapter, how things were going to go, how it was going to... And it was brilliant. I loved it. I spent months on it. And then week three of writing, uh, I realized Noah Hunter, the character, the police officer, wouldn't do this because I had already established I created him. I, I know how he thinks, hopefully, because I, I'm the I'm guy. So anyway, uh, in book one, he was all established, and this is how he would have reacted to the situation. So in book two, when I started writing, all of a sudden, Noah wasn't doing what I had laid out all planned for the rest of the book because I, I listened to the character and it worked. I, I, so I ended up throwing out 20,000 words of outline and uh, I, I went and I listened to the characters. Well, this is what this guy would have done. So I didn't uh, change it about to make it easier for me.
2: So you tried to be an outlier and then he became a pantser. <laughs> and yeah. And it just. what's it's all right. I'm a hybrid. <laughs> I'm more of a pantser. I'm more a pantser than an outliner, but I kind of know. Do you know the ending? Do you know where you need to go at certain spots to make sure you get to where you yes. need to be?
1: However, for, now, not to bring all that all back to uh, Edge of Time, I, I got characters jumping around in time. And at one point, they meet each other and meet themselves again, right? Time travel. Sure, why not? I had 38 pages of the time stream and, and the plot line spread out over my living room floor. And down the hall to make sure it worked. I and you had to do that, or else. <laughs> so I don't know if that was panting or uh, plotting or not, but uh, I had I had to make it work. I'm I'm, I'm glad I did because uh, it it turned out and everything was uh, pretty good uh, following that timeline. But I I don't know if that's quite a, a plotter or
2: not. Well, it's your outline, it's your structure.
1: Well, yeah.
2: Time is your structure, your business. Yes, yeah.
1: I guess I'd buy that. That'd be more structure. Um, but then I I can. I could carry that whole novel I know where it's all gonna go in my head but I and I could keep it in my head while I'm writing going towards a goal even if it's a, a, a third of the way through the book that's my you know that's my that's my goal at 40,000 words I want to have this this and this time um, you know but I can't remember my wife's birthday I you know I could I could juggle all these facts and I learned quantum mechanics uh, just just so to write this last novel this book here. And, uh, you know, but uh, I have problems remembering what we did last weekend. <laughs> so I don't know what that means, but it is what it is.
2: Priorities,
0: baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. Priorities. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Well, what makes a good book for you? Like, what do you like in a book when you read it?
1: What do I like in a good book? I, I like something that doesn't follow the tropes per se. A really good book that will capture my attention is, is it feels like I just went through a breakup or uh, a horrible divorce at the end my God, this is over. Like, there's nothing else left. Like, there's no hidden chapters. Like, I feel a sense of loss. And I, I, I wish I could really try and get that, uh, a reader to have that feeling when when my book is done, when they're reading my book. Um, I don't know if I'm successful or not at that. That'd be up to a reader to let me know. However, um, one of the things I really enjoy about that is just the, the sense of getting involved in it, and wanting to turn those pages, just just, I'm just going to stay up another five minutes just to find out what happens and how they get out of this, whatever this is.
0: When you put together the book, you don't have any sort of direction in a way. It just sort of comes along. Like you get kind of your, your story, your idea and you just kind of go with it and that. Is there ever a time when you kind of get halfway through, through a book or a manuscript and you're at a point where you, You lose interest and you just want to stop.
1: Yes, Yes. (laughs) boy, that happened a lot. My gosh,
0: yeah. So, what do you do? Like, when that happens, like, what do what do you do, or what do you say for advice for someone else that's just starting to write? Let's say because that's going to happen. Period. Do you just uh, give it a rest and move forward and come back to it, or do you push yourself through, or do you just shelve it for good?
1: I I could give you a a, a current example. Uh, Last week. So I was. I'm trying to get book four of the Noah Hunter series completed. It's called Hunter's Gambit. And the, An illicit the arms shipment was uh, confiscated in the small town, and it and it and it took off from there. And the the bad guys are trying to get their stuff back. Okay, so I'm writing it, and I'm at sixty-seven thousand words. So I'm I'm getting near the end. And then I realized pretty much that Noah Hunter. Isn't really, it left off being a police thriller novel and and turned into uh, an action adventure spy type thriller. And this guy is turning into some sort of super special operative who's taking on all the bad guys and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? And I go, some of this stuff's great, but I can't use it. So, you know, I deleted 40,000 words and brought it back to a, a critical turning point there. So I did that again. And so I took off from there again. Uh, another 13,000 words in there and I, I that just didn't, that can't happen. So I deleted it. <laughs> so, I, uh, it, I wasn't listening to the story and I wasn't listening to the characters. I, I knew what I, everything I wrote was really cool, but it might have been more of a, a Mitch Rapp kind of novel versus, uh, a, a police, uh, thriller procedural novel. So, uh, it comes down to you gotta, you gotta listen to your characters, you got to listen to the story, you got to stay within those boundaries.
0: I was just going to say, where do you get all this from? Like, you write a lot of espionage, spy, thriller, and um, and even, you know, with the science fiction twist, but it's still you've got a lot of that, let's say, law enforcement theme inside of that. So wh- where does that come from for you, where you feel comfortable enough to write it? Or, or are you going to tell us you were really part of the NSA or something <laughs> like that, that we... You know, we don't know. the beard.
2: The beard yeah. speaks. Well, yeah.
1: It's here now, Joe. It's looking pretty handsome. Anyway. Um,
2: <laughs> how could it I, not, dude? Well, uh,
1: I, I was in the Army for 17 years, and I learned in the Army you, there's a lesson and a course for just about everything, including, uh, let's just say, I, I'm teaching everybody how to uh, drive a Jeep. I, oh, Man, I taught hundred, hundreds of kids how to drive Jeeps. A lot of scary moments in there, and I earned every gray hair. But we have a procedure. So there's, you know, you do your first parade, you check your tire pressure, your oil, and then you go through and you, you and the, it's progressive. And then you get into tactics. Okay, well, when you're driving around a corner or a blind corner, this is how we're going to do it. You know, and you, you got your, you're like a four-man team in, in jeeps, say. And that progresses off to tanks and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a procedure and a way to do everything. So knowing that, I translated that over to, while writing my police novels, there's police. I, I've I've trained with some. I've trained with police, the RCMP, the uh, Durham Region Police, the Toronto Police Services. Uh, while I was in the army as well, and I was a martial arts instructor, so I taught them as well. But um, so I looked up police procedural techniques. Uh, for example, um, um, like there's 20 26 steps for securing a crime scene. How do you secure a crime scene? Well. Everything I was reading and researching was in Canada, but my uh, novel takes place in Wyoming. So I went on, I found the Douglas Police Academy in Wyoming. Uh, I looked up, uh, oh, there's the course materials. It's crime scene, securing a crime scene. Great. I downloaded the PDF and I started reading it and I took all my notes and, um, I knew the important points to look for. Once I learned it, I learned it, and that's that's great. I can apply that knowledge to future novels. Same with uh, Ballistics, same with all the way up to this latest novel, uh, uh, Quantum Physics, and stuff like that. I can could, I could read it. I knew enough to, uh, I'm, not, I'm not an expert at it, but I, I, I can work my way through uh, uh, parts of a particle accelerator now and to, to know enough to. Get, get what i need out of my for my story and then i can move on so uh, i've also had like you know some experts i've relied on uh, i've had a a friend is a retired uh, police detective uh, a homicide detective so i bounced some ideas off him uh, he's like yeah you're you're on the right track keep going or he said a detective will never ask a, a trooper or a, a police officer to, to do this he, he he'll tell him to do this. you know you, it's a direct order. you you know, take that prisoner, book him, get him to the hospital, then meet me back here. So stuff like that. So uh, I, I mainly researched and relied on on friends.
0: what's your favorite type um, of theme to work with in this in this genre? So um, you know the type of espionage or spy sort of category thriller. What, what theme do you like to work with?
1: I think one of my favorite themes is it's the average guy. He's your average Joe.
2: Joe? Joe? I've, <laughs> uh, I've heard it before. Well, well you
1: it much. had to come up once or twice. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's an unassuming guy who just ends up getting caught up in these situations, and he reacts accordingly. He doesn't react like uh, the guy's been trained by the Green Berets. He doesn't react like he's a Navy SEAL. He, but he does things. To get the job done, uh, whatever it needs to be doing, it, it might only be at that time. It might only be to save his skin. Perfect. This is how this average guy would react, and um, he gets caught up into a series of events. Does he back down, or does he not back down? It's not his thing, but he, there's the right thing to do, and then he moves on in in that manner. So, I think that's my favorite my favorite concept. Uh, it's just just the average guy just doing doing his thing, and he gets caught up into a series of events, and then uh, the story takes it from there.
0: Wow, and I suppose you, you um, write about the evil guy from your own personal experience.
1: Uh, which evil guy? I, uh,
0: <laughs> Anybody <yeah>. bad. <laughs> well, if you... Just take it out of your...
1: Uh, well, uh, the bad guys don't believe they're bad guys. That's just the... That's, right. the, that's the, the crux of things, really. Um, you got... How, how many different religions how many different wars were started with religions uh because of religion um and, and not one of them think they're the bad guy <laughs> well okay well it's yeah. it's perspective so um while i'm writing you know the for for example you know one of my novels was about uh organized crime uh they, you know they had judges and lawyers and the whole Everybody in on the take, and then that was the bad guy, I guess um, <laughs> you know uh, like but for example, in this latest novel edge of time there 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 was no real bad guy per se it was it was uh them against events uh them against uh time that did not want to be changed, and dealing with their own mix ups
0: so now um where do people find David darling, you know like uh website, social media. Street corner, like what? What? Where well, do people currently? I'm you? on my
1: desk, but when I'm not sitting here, you could find me at a uh, uh, daviddarlingbooks.com or you can search for me on uh, Twitter, fairly conversant on Twitter, uh, David Darling CA on Twitter, and uh,
0: probably there might be a few links when you post this uh, story. Well, fantastic. <laughs> well, make sure people get it. We'll send them right to you. I give out addresses, phone oh, numbers and everything. perfect.
1: Come on over. My kitchen yeah. floor ain't going to clean itself. Outstanding.
0: <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Well, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been a thrill, of course. We've had the crazy Canadian Mr. David Darling and his new book, of course, Edge of Time. So thank you very much for being here. Well,
1: well thank you very much for having me. I, I, I guess this is my hat trick. This is my third... Uh, Appearance on the show, and uh, although my first time with Joe.
2: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. The
1: show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? No.
2: Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.